I'd like to introduce Fred Copstick, his new book, Selling Through Partner Skills, which I actually, the word I can find for it is intriguing, so well researched that you must have spent a lot of time, Fred, researching for this book. I've been, I've been around quite a long time. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I mean, yeah, if you think about it, it is, it's a culmination of 22 years training sales yeah. Um, yeah. and then sort of five, six, seven years selling before that. So, so there's a lot of stuff there. And yeah, as I was, I've always wanted my training to be right on top and sort of really kind of cutting edge. So I'm always researching and trying to pull things into it. So uh, yeah, I use, use a lot of that. I think we both would have the main uh, mindset because you know, I'm always looking at, am I on top? What can we do? But let me tell you a little about Fred. Uh, Fred's a consultant, trainer, coach, and an expert in helping sales professionals around the world to improve their performance and unleash their full potential. Fred is like myself. He likes to, uh, he likes to travel. He's trained in more than 35 countries, and he helped establish a European academy for a leading beer brand and develop sales skills in the Middle East for a global healthcare company, introducing account department sales leadership models, both in Latin America and Europe for IT and engineering multinationals. So as I say, Fred, you have been around the block, certainly in the last 22 years. I get the impression, Fred, you enjoy the role of sales trainer. I love it. I, I, I really do love it. I mean, so many different reasons why I like it. Um, I think as any good salesperson needs to be, I'm, I'm a nosy git. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm curious. I like seeing what other companies do. And then it, if I can help them do that stuff better, happy days, you know? Yeah. I've been very fortunate. I've been to you know, a load of, load of cool places. Um, been to some not so cool places as well. And you know, and you all know this, when you help somebody do something different that has an impact for them, it's really fulfilling, and and I love doing that stuff. It's great when, when that happens. Yeah, and you know, one of, one of my beliefs in life is, if you do something you love, you uh, will never have to work a day for the rest of your life. It, it, it is sometimes like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sometimes uh, it's like a, it's a bit tricky, but often it's like this is brilliant. This is good fun. Yeah, I'm paid for this. Can't that, that out. People stop paying us. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. I, and I have enjoyed the travel, you know, interesting. One of my favorite places is, and unfortunately I'm doing virtual training for them next week for Mauritius. And uh, I tease people when I go to Mauritius, it's two days training, one day beach, two days training, weekend beach. I take, is this your first book, Selling Through Partner Skills? It is my first book. Yeah. First time yeah. out of the blocks on that one. Yeah. So what I really liked about it is it, that, and I said earlier that it is well researched. The other thing I do like, which uh, I think a lot of people fall down on, you quote your sources so well, uh, which proves that you uh, it is well researched. People would say, what's your motivation? And I had a friend who said, motivation's not what you know, it's what you've yet to find out. And, I like that. No, no, yeah. I do like that one. Yeah. And that's, and that's that's why I uh, what really appealed to me about this book that is it's researched, it's well researched. I do like that those first few few chapters where you actually talk about the different sales models that's that's out there. 
whether it's uh, selling solutions, whether it's spin. The, the way the, there are so many out there, and they yeah. tend to be proprietary to the people that are delivering it. Yeah. Um, and so what I tried to do is sort of make sense of, okay, well we've got Challenger and Spin, and I yeah. use a Four Cs model, and somebody else might use a Pegs model, and it's they're doing a similar thing. That that's for me that's about consultative selling. And so there's different ways to sort of skin a cat, but ultimately yeah. we're trying to do that. There's another way in which we look at sales. I mean, all sales is ask before tell. That's the fundamentals. That's the basics. Yeah. We can, we can capture ways of doing that. You, know, you might talk about two ears, one mouth. You might talk about TED questions. You might talk about, you know, yeah, W's. Again, we can capture those into that into that bucket, if you like. Um, sort of, we've got that value-based selling. So, again, I use this, this model of the complexity and the, the value, which will tend to be value to yourself and value to the customer. We come up with these these different categories or types for a better word and then we can put in the different ways people approach that and which are all good i mean some great stuff out there i don't need to reinvent the wheel that's why that's why i quoted so much stuff <laughs> i wrote something recently for for that whatsapp group that we're all on is you know and i, I go back 52 years in selling it used to be the old ada that they talked about at the same time Break, breaking it down, it really is just my feeling. It's just saying the same thing in so many different ways. It is. And my take on it is that, you know, and again, in the book, I go through kind of the evolution of sales. And yeah. you know, 50 odd years ago, or maybe maybe even a bit more, but, you know, AIDA or process, sales process, you know, having a methodology, that was what was trained at the time because it made yeah. sense. And of course, it, what was going on in selling sort of reflected the time as well. You know, so, so yeah. back, you know, post-war, you'd be talking about, you know, it was about being effective, being efficient in the things that you do, hence process. We still need that. Now, let's not throw the baby out with bathwater. Let's keep it. And I still use AIDA. I still use it because it makes yeah. sense. It it makes sure that you ask before tell. And course, any salesperson yeah. in any meeting, I don't care how sophisticated that meeting is, you still need to grab someone's attention. You still need to show interest in them. Then you start trying to build desire. Then you build some kind of advancement or action at the end. That, that's the same. Why bother changing it? Still works. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and that that whole you know, go back to it is your attention is how do you open uh, how do you open the sale? Interesting enough, I was I was uh, writing um, an online course at the moment, and I was looking. You know, how do you open the sale? What do you do? How do you get their attention? How do you get them to listen to you? All those things haven't changed. Uh, haven't changed over over the years. So, so one of the things, Fred, that you know, you looked at looked at all those, and then you come up with this, which you call PQ, which is uh, stands for partnering, quoting. Is that the right word you use for your Q? Sure. Yeah. So uh, it's not me. There's I didn't come up with this. I wish. Right. Uh, that, no, oh, that would right. have been really cool. No, no, that would have been really cool. So, yeah. you know, PQ, partnering skills, partnering intelligence, if you like, and the, the lesser known cousin of IQ and EQ. <laughs> yes, uh, is, is how I described that. But no, I, I didn't come up with it. A guy called Steve Dent did a lot of research in this back in the late 80s, early 90s, when he was looking at, you know, when the big business alliances were being made, it, you know, yes. when the airlines were coming together to form those those kind of those those things. And and they would say, well, how can we do this more effectively? And he was doing a lot of work on this. And he basically came out and said, well, organizations don't partner, people do. And course, here yeah. are the skills that people who are good at partnering have. Yeah. And I was just, I was looking at these, you know, again, it's part of my research, trying to keep myself up to date. 
uh, or look for new things. I like bringing new stuff in. I saw these and I thought, oh, I don't care if that's partnering or not. That, those things are relevant to every single sale today because of the evolution sales have taken. That makes sense for any salesperson. And so I then use that as, as you know, a way of helping people focus in on how can we be more collaborative? So yeah, I wish I could claim that I I did the whole PQ bit, but yeah. well, you, yes. And what really struck me, what one of my key workshops or key training sessions is key account management. I've been teaching this partner, and I didn't actually know what a where partner came from. And I'm teaching, you know, that you go through the different levels of key account management when you become become a partner more more than than a client you know and that's the ultimate aim in key account management that your partners in business it it is and, and it, it's that psychology that i wanted to tap into because what i'd be saying to people is okay even if they're not going to be a key account even if there isn't a long-term relationship and normally there would be i mean like why would you not be looking for one but it could be that what you're selling that's not going to be there if your mindset is as a partner if that you set up this is how i want to sell to them as though i am almost going into business with them you will sell better it will direct all of the techniques the tools that the ways in which you operate you know all that good stuff from the past it will help you apply that in a far more modern way and so that's that's where it made more sense to me and that's why i tried to pull that pull that together for me. yeah and you know, and i can see that very much when when i'm working with a company as a sales trainer uh, that I'm partner, partnering with a company to achieve their success, you know, where you, where you really have got to get inside the company and become part of the company, which I'm sure you would agree, Fred, the role. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, you, you'd look and say, well, you know, it depends, it depends on the level of the relationship. You know, you could become strategically key to them. Maybe not. But if your brain is, no, I'm part of you. And, and I find myself and it's, some people say, oh, you're very deliberate in doing this. I say, it's probably more accidental because it's actually how I'm thinking. When I'm delivering, I talk about we. <laughs> and I say, you have to do this and you have to yeah. do that. We need to do this because I'm, I'm in there. Yeah. I'm, I'm part of them. I want yeah. all of our success. You know? Interdependence is one of the partnering skills. So, yeah, I kind of <laughs> follow yeah. that on naturally. Yeah, and, and that's where I think that, you know, people, you know, that, that the old sorry, relationship selling dead, solutions selling dead. Personally, I don't know what you believe, Fred, but I don't believe anything's dead. It's just maybe have a new slant or, or being used in a better way. Now, if you look at me on LinkedIn, I'll probably say all those are dead because that's because they're a good headline. I know, yeah. That's, that's <laughs> and then when you read it, what the text will probably be, actually, it probably isn't. You need to use an element of it. In fact, all of those things, relationship selling, solution selling, classic selling, all of those things, it could be that a part of that is useful in what you're trying to achieve now. And if it is, bring it on. If it's not, yeah. don't use it. Some stuff will never, ever be useful again. Okay, bin that. <laughs> don't even bother considering it. Keep yeah. it in touch. But all these things, it's just like, if, if you imagine a drummer, if you've just got a little snare drum and you sit away tapping that, it's not going to be the best performance. If yeah. you've got the whole drum kit with the big drum, the snare drum, the side drum, the cymbals, all that sort of stuff, and you can play a lot of it, you're going to do a better job. Give yourself yeah. a full drum kit. That's what that's what I would say. Yeah, and yeah, and that's where you've got to focus. You, you know, and I, I think one one of the things is it's just something I read on LinkedIn this morning where they're talking about 
that the sales is just part of the whole of you know. And that, no, did I read you? Did I read from you, Fred, or did it about you got to be involved with the accounts? You got to be involved with customer service. You've got to be in, in, involved with manufacturing, with delivery. It's that all round role that you play. Yeah, I, I don't. I've not been. I've not written it recently, but I probably yeah. have written that at some stage yeah. because you do. And and the interesting thing is, you've got to understand all of those from your own side, so that you can leverage all that good resource and say to the customer, "Hey, look, we're great at all this stuff because this is going to be part and part yeah. of what we're going to have to tap into to get you the best solution." And you need to understand it from their side, so that you're talking to the right people, saying, "Hey, we can help you with this stuff. Oh, we can do this stuff. We will dovetail with what you're doing. You don't even do that. Hey, we can do it for you." You've got to be an all-rounder, more and more so, more and more so, I'd say. On one one of my assets, it was the last company I worked for where I was the sales director with the company and the MD was a, was a personal friend. Uh, long story short, he was my best salesperson in, uh, in a sales team that I managed. He went off, started his own business, became successful and said, Collie, will you come and work for me? I'll offer you a directorship a share in the company. Come and work for me. And then he used to joke that he only did it to get his own back on targets. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's really uh, yeah. cool. <laughs> and we're still, we're still good friends up to this day. But one of the things in that company was I decided was, for instance, we our buyer left and we had to recruit a buyer. So I stepped into the buying role for a month. I stepped into the credit control for for a couple of days in the credit control, because I think you know that that really as a salesperson, uh, and I I have this, and I think you know you're you're thinking too as a salesperson, you really are a business of one. The more that you can do that, and I, I still see some salespeople who kind of blink at themselves. Go, no, no, I'm sales. I do this. It's like well, no, but you've yeah. got to talk to all these people. At some yeah. stage, they are going to be part and parcel of the decision, unless it's a super simple transactional decision. In which case, why are you involved anyway? Yeah, you know, they will be more involved, and we know the date that the, the the research is showing that more and more people are becoming in decision making units. Yeah, their yeah. numbers are going up, so it's like to be there more people from more disciplines, and you've got to talk their language. You've got to understand what their KPIs, what 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 are they interested in, what they're going to be bothered about. You know, and a credit yeah. controller is going to want a different thing to a buyer, different thing to somebody who's got a tech yeah. spec that needs fulfilling. Uh, different to the finance director, probably look at payment options. You know, yeah, there's just so many different things going on. We've got to understand it. Again, I'm doing this, creating this online course, and just finished uh, last week something on on DMUs, and and one of the things is, and and I think there was much more. I came up with eight different roles of DMUs or influencers that you can encounter whilst dealing with the company. You know, it's not, yeah, yeah. And it's not like the old days where you got one guy made the decision. Now it's it, it's likely to be a committee decision. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the Americans they sometimes talk about the buying committee, don't they? Yeah. And, I, and then I immediately, because I think visually, I got this sort of this image of these you know bunch of people sat around this table, you know, smoky room, like it's a well, you know, an old sports club committee. But of course, it's not. It's 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 almost like an unofficial thing, and they just all have got to say they all want to get something out of it. Yeah, they've all got their own axe to grind in old fashioned sports club. <laughs> um, you know, so yeah, the, 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 every department in the company is there for a reason. So yeah. you're probably going to have something to say about it. You'll have some kind of impact on it. Fortunately, where, where I cut the teeth because I told you I worked in the hospitality industry 
And we sold, would you believe, 5,000 products we had in our catalog. And they started off from, at the bottom of the list was toilet rolls. And at the top of the list were our Zanussi ovens at £30,000 for a Zanussi oven. When you, when you worked with a golf club or a sports club and they were re-equipping the place, you had to go in and face the whole committee of the golf club to, yeah. to do a presentation to them. And you got all these diverse personalities. And that's you know, one of the things that uh, a salesperson have to be aware of. You know, and that, that's why, you know, one of the things I'd like to hear your take, Fred, is at the ASP, we had recently with a well-known university, and I won't name the university uh, in Cambridge that made the remark. <laughs> Love it. Uh, who said that selling is a trade, unlike marketing, which is uh, a vocation. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, is that is that a kind of a really lame defense? Like, say, you've just charged somebody £40,000 to learn business and you've not given them even a single module on one of the most crucial aspects of business. If that's yeah. your defense, not so good. Go and spend some time in the legal department because that will teach you how to argue stuff better. Uh, yeah. <laughs> because... like, honestly, I think it's scandalous that... Oh. Oh, don't get me universities started, don't, because, oh, Yeah, yeah. I, I, I give some of my time to a local university to do some stuff yeah. around selling skills. Yeah. Like sales skills are life skills, and that's how we position it and say, look, here's the academy. Whatever business, whatever school you're in, whether it's business school, you know, whether it's medical school, whether it's law school, whatever, there is something that you can take from selling. Yeah, not necessarily the, the full-on sales skills and account mapping and the stuff that we might be talking about. But just yeah. understanding that you are trying to influence people, you're trying to move people, you're trying to motivate people, you're going to have to negotiate with people, you have to build rapport with people, you have to present to people. Yeah, of course, what yeah. What people do for a living. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I, I kind of offer some stuff for them. Too. Yeah, well, we have two, two universities here in the north of Ireland. We have the Ulster uh, UUJ, um, and I actually mentor MBA students for that. And how I mentor them is I actually take them through uh, my sales accelerator. And that's yeah. that's how I mentor them. And the other university, Queen's University, their MBA, um, and their, their sales training is me for one afternoon for a three-hour session for two one-and-a-quarter-hour sessions. And that's their total sales training for the MBA. Wow, and nothing, no. uh, nothing at undergraduate. Yeah, now, I I did a commerce degree at Birmingham. Okay, yeah, you know, this yeah. is some years ago, and that's not yeah. it was a great degree. But you know, we did economics, all varieties of it. Yeah, macro, micro, something else. So, yeah, know, we did law, we did HR, we did marketing, plenty of marketing. We did um, statistics <laughs> for some reason. Yeah. yeah, accounting. We did all these things. You know, got a job, went off first job into business, as most people do a commerce degree would. Who are those guys over there? That's the sales team. Ah, right. Well, I get what sales is, but you know, how do they operate? What do they do? What floats their boat? I'm in marketing. I'm gonna have to interact with them. I was like, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's just, uh, it's uh, my yeah, boggles sometimes. My boggles. Yeah. And one of the things on on that, I paid for some research out of the states is that apparently in the states that between 
60 and 70% of business graduates end up in the sales role. Probably similar here in the British Isles that, or in any country in the world when you come out of business. And I don't know, I know here in Northern Ireland, it's the biggest sales skills shortage or the biggest skills shortage is in sales. Even if, I mean, the irony is, and I know we keep going back to this, is that professional services can be, we're going to get no work in any of these sectors anymore, are we? But anyway, whatever, let's go for it. Yeah. You know, oh, we don't sell, we don't sell. Yeah, you don't mind sending me a bill, though. Yeah. <laughs> you, yeah. You quite happily charge me for your services. So, and you quite happily go out and try and get more of it. Well, that's business development then, is it? Okay. It's just names. It's still selling. Yeah. You know? what, is, what is business development? It's selling. Yeah. So it's funny, I was talking to, uh, the CEO of quite a big press services company, and he kept referring to selling. I said, Andy, you, you keep saying selling, mate. And he goes, I know, I was at university with it. And he says, well, yeah, that's what it is. What else would you call it? I said, well, no, I'm just interested that you call it that because everyone else would call it business development in your world. He goes, oh, yeah. He goes, oh, whatever, it's selling. You know, they all don't mind getting the business. It's, it's yeah. Pretty <laughs> Client I'm working with at the moment, and I went to visit them and talk to the MD. He said, which is music to my ears. He said, we are a sales company. He said, every company's a sales company. If they think they're not in sales, what business are they in? It makes sense. And when people have that, so sadly, sadly, it's a breath of fresh air. It should yeah. be most people would just get this. Um, but yeah, it is tainted. It's got this reputation. It's Well, yeah. I think you know, <laughs> one, of, one of the things that, that uh, I say to blame is perhaps salespeople themselves have created this image you know, and that's where you talk about, you know, that's where you say, you know, you quote who David Meister, Charles H. Green and Robert Galford, the trusted advisor, you know, and that, you know, don't trust him. He's a salesman. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to quote people, you might as well quote Harvard professors. Eh? That's exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, and it sort of sales, as in any profession, there's good uns and bad ones, you know, and unfortunately yeah. the bad ones in sales get the most press, but yeah. the good ones, the guys who will say, yeah, we get the trust element of sales. We will work hard to build it. We know the things that we need to do. We've got customer interest at heart. We're trying to understand what their outcomes are. We're going to, we're going to mobilize all the things we can do to get you the results that you're after. That's why we're doing this stuff. You know, that's how we operate. That's how we think we're not, we're not, the 80s has got a lot to blame for this in modern history, I think. You know, the ABC yeah. always be closing, coffee for closers, yeah. manipulate people, you know, objection, break it down, barriers. I mean, the language yeah, is yeah. crazy, you know? Yeah. Um, and then you go back to the 1890s when the old snake oil thing. But we get tainted yeah. with that. But you look at modern selling, the iterations after the, after the, after the 80s, where you go 90s, consultative selling, ask bare questions, understand what's affecting people, how's it affected them? They're the noughties. Okay, do that and see where else you can add value to them, their operation, what they're trying to do, how we can really move them forward. Yeah, the, the, yeah. the, the tens here, how can you make sure that you are positioning yourself to be able to do that as best you possibly can? And then I would argue in the 20s, it's like, you know, how can we just bring even more collaborative mindset to that? So let's use these. Let's use these as the building blocks, pull these into our approach, take this partnering skills mindset. We can do a really good professional job. Now, and that sounds like a trade. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's exactly, you know, and that whole thing where you're saying, you know, how do you overcome the resistance? You know, and my question is who created the resistance to start with? 
Yeah. Well, again, you know, it depends. It depends how well you're doing the job, doesn't it? Yeah. 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 Um, you know, I, I think I think a lot. You know, salespeople. That we know they often jump into talking about features, you know, or the product yeah. or the service yeah. too early because actually that's what they've been trained to do. You look at a lot of sort of you know onboarding sales process. It's like you know, there's your 14 days product training, and then your half an hour sales training. It just makes no sense to do the other way around. Train people to sell. There'll be other people who know the stuff. We can go and get them. Tell, tell me who I need to speak to if we need a specialist. But really, I'm here because I want to understand the customer. I want to use all the techniques, the consultative, value-adding techniques I've got to do a good job for them. And if it's early on saying this is how I operate and selling the concept, well, that's probably in the long term it sounds a bit slower but it's going to make you more effective harder said yeah yeah exactly and and the other thing and i'm sure you've come across this Fred, particularly with it salespeople who who speak in their language instead of the language of the client <laughs> i've got to be a bit careful here <laughs> uh -huh. no no i do no 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 actually that that's why i do work with a lot of it companies and, and yeah. one of the things i'll say to them is Actually, that isn't always bad per se when you're talking to another IT person. Yeah. Just chat away about all the functions, the features, use all your TLAs, use all that sort of stuff, talk speeds, feeds, all the rest of it. Happy days. Fill your boots. Do that. But if you're only talking to them, you are going to get stuck at a certain level because your deal size will never increase because as your deal size increases, you are going to have to speak to finance people. Yeah. yeah. Procurement people are going to become more interested in it. You know, when you're looking at the finance options, get your head around CapEx, OpEx, these kind of things, you're going to have to talk to them. Yeah. If it's having that big an impact on the organization, you're going to be into senior management. You're going to be into C-suite. Yeah. Yeah? And don't speak to them about features. Don't speak to them about speeds and feeds. That is longer term, bigger impact stuff. And depending what your IT solution is doing, you've probably got to go to line of business as well. If you're selling a CRM, the sales director is probably going to have a bit of an interest. Yeah, you know? exactly. <laughs> it might not be a bad idea to get the salespeople who are going to use this on board. Because <laughs> if you don't, it ain't going to work. However brilliant it is, they'll resist to it. So get them on board, understand what they're doing, talk to them, talk to them. And that should be easy for a salesperson. Talk to another salesperson about that. But if you're maybe selling an HR solution or something else, you're going to have to talk to them. You're going to have to understand what they talk about in their language, yeah. their world. It's yeah, and I, yeah, and I find in IT that many people fail to talk as, uh, as called to the economic buyer, who's going to sign the check. Yeah. And the guy who wants to sign the check, he doesn't want to know what it's going to do. He wants to know the return on investment. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so the economic buyer probably going to be, so the ultimate sign off are going to be in the finance or C-suite. Yeah. Exactly. Also, if if it's a big enough deal, if you're moving, if you, yeah, that value and complexity thing we talked about earlier, if you're moving up that spectrum, then they are going to be looking at different stuff. Does it work? Yes, good. Yeah, and, and what are we? No, I don't care how it could be yeah, little middle magic yeah, pixies yeah, in a box doing yeah. something. What, Doesn't matter. What are, we, what are we going to get back here? What are we going to get back? When am I going to get it back? Yeah. How do I go about funding this? Yeah. Yeah. But it's you. You're right. It's it is it's a really interesting. It's such a big growth area, but. You know, I've got a lot that. I think the vendors have got a lot to blame for that because they, they mm -hmm. get fascinated with product. They train people in product. They keep trying mm -hmm. to win the salesperson's hearts and minds by 
battering over the head with all this sexy new stuff that the product does. So it's not very sexy, really, because if you can't translate it into what it means for the customer, nobody cares. And they don't yeah. always help them do that. Now, the ones I work with do, of course, they're brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> well, like a lot yeah, because that's why they're using me. You know, it's like, right, can yeah. you help make sure the salesperson people are able to sell this? So we'll take yeah. the stuff, we'll understand what it does, and we'll help them turn it into that language and sell it better. But just battering them away and just downloading more features on them to learn and accredit them just because they can cite some stuff that I'll forget next day. It ain't going to work, Bitcoin. And one of the things, I don't know if you've experienced this, Freddie, interesting to hear your take on it, is that some people, some salespeople have a fear of talking about return on investment. Is it a fear of talking about the return on investment? Is it a fear of talking about something they don't know about? Yeah. <laughs> As opposed yeah. to, is it, is it ROI specifically, or is it just that fear of the unknown? I don't really know. I don't understand it. I don't know how to talk about that. I can talk about this button that when you press it, it turns the screen red because I've been trained to within in through my life of it. Yeah. And I don't really know why it's an important thing, but I know if you press it, the screen turns red. So I'll talk about that. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. so it's, we've not helped them by necessarily, you know, necessarily help them by understanding that this is where it is going to go. And so once you've explained to the person who cares about the screen turning red and that little magic button you've got, you're going to have to move the, you know, the sales argument on the stuff you're going to say to talk about return investment and to be talking about the plan that they're going to have to implement to be able to get that return investment Salespeople are missing a massive trick i believe in not using mutual action plans it's, yeah exactly. the salespeople that can start to use those and get their heads around and produce those almost like it's just part part of what we do will set themselves apart from others because not as many salespeople do it as, as probably should yeah, and you know, interesting. I had one recently where I gave an IT company who were using AI on uh, on websites. You know, just really tells where people were going and what was what was affecting them emotionally. So I gave them a lead, gave them an MD who's actually one of my one of my clients, and I said I was talking to the client about this IT company, and he said I'd be interested to learn a little bit more about that. So uh, give them the lead. Two days later, the MD phoned me up and said, who the hell was that guy you sent me? And I goes, oh, that was that AI. Why, what happened? He said he opened a conversation and started telling me about JavaScripts and uh, <laughs> what, it could, what they could do and what a JavaScript was. And he goes, and then he goes, oh, what the hell is a JavaScript anyway, Colin? <laughs> Java bean is right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're thinking, oh no, your software is so cool. You yeah. can tell somebody that that person is about to buy. And again, he doesn't care if it's that you've got a little magical spy cam that flies into his office through the keyhole and looks at him. Yeah. You, you know, it doesn't matter. It's like, that will just tell you that they're ready. That Call them now because it will work. Java's yeah. irrelevant. Yeah. Yeah, and that's and I've seen it so many times that where I worked with a couple of companies which were in the finance division where they where they would actually look at the depreciation of assets in the company, and people would say to me, "You know, oh, Collie, but you don't know how our software works." And I go, "I don't need to know how your software works. I need to know what your software does, not how mm -hmm. it works." And that's that's maybe the problem that you're saying, Fred, is that people think. 
They need to sell how it works rather than what it does. Yeah. Oh, no, it's just what it does for the customer. That's yes, yeah. That's the thing. I mean, I mean, that's sales basics. Yes, how exactly. many times have you on a flip chart written W I I F M? Let's not even try. Let's not try and even add that up, Colin, because <laughs> oh, no. that is going to be. Sales radio, tune into them on their way. What's it for me? That's what they care about. Exactly. That is what they care about. I mean, between us, God knows how many miles of ink we've used writing that up on the board. But, you know, Uh, because it's so important, I'm not demeaning, I'm not saying, and I will kill you. I laughed at it last week. I will next to it this week. Yeah, of course. I still use a flip chart. I I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Because I, I had that, and I go back when I was doing some work with uh, with Coca Cola. So, so I asked the people, "Why do your customers?" And I emphasized your customers buy Coca Cola, and it goes uh, because it's thirst quenching. And I goes, "So your customers, every one of your customers drinks all the Coca Cola you sell them." And they go, no, 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 no. They they sell it on to the customers. And I go, hold on, but those customers aren't your customers. Your customers are the people who buy it from you. So then why do they buy it from you? And they go, so they can sell it and make a profit. Yeah, they don't care where it's. Yeah, and and I said, that's where you're missing the point. (laughs) Yeah, but we've just been trained. We've just done a four-hour tasting session, and we've learned all the different ingredients and this and this and this and it's like yeah, yeah. people you're speaking to are disties and disties are coin operated they want to know how much money they make what's the support that you can give me to help you make more money how are you going to help yeah. me sell it through yeah yeah what data have you got on where that market's growing or not that's what i want to know yeah help and that's useful. They, they could be using it to clean like isn't it good for cleaning <clears> something like that they could be using it yeah. i don't care as long as yeah. i'm going to sell shed loads of it that's why how am i going to how are you going to help me sell more yeah and that you know, and that's and that's they were they were trained, you know, that thirst that's you know, that's their tagline obviously at Coca Cola yeah. thirst quenching and um or as uh, is or as our line in Pepsi Cola was for the you know come alive come alive with the Pepsi generation. <laughs> Which so that was their that was their slogan when I started with them in the early seventies. And, that's, and then, well, that's for the consumer, isn't it? But yeah. often you were selling to the it's really you're selling to the to even the bar manager. You know, again, my beer background, it's you know, the beer it's got this and that and, and theatrical serve. Ah, why? Because when people see it, they want like to buy it, and you make more money on that bottle than you do on that draft. Yeah. Oh yeah, okay. Well that's what you want to be selling this with. Yeah, and that slogan come alive, come uh, come alive with the Pepsi generation. And what happened in Japan? It translated to make your ancestors come alive with Pepsi Cola. <laughs> yes, yeah, I remember something like that. Yeah, yeah, and that's you know because down and it's back to and, and you know if we go back to uh, Adam or Eve actually selling to Adam the idea of wearing a fig leaf is it's what's in it for me. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose we can we can read it right back to there. Yeah. Yeah. Persuade yeah. everyone lives by selling yeah. something. <laughs> yeah. And that and you know, and this, you know what what am I going to get out of this? Yeah. 
you because know, one of the interesting things is that research shows you know people talk cold calling doesn't work of course cold calling doesn't work because nobody wants a conversation that uh, wastes their time because that's the biggest fear that i've discovered is people are saying i don't want to talk to time wasters yeah yeah, yeah. It, it it is and again it's, it's it's a good old headline cold calling doesn't work yeah um if i thought to the podcast i've said well we call it don't cold call yeah now, of course, yeah that exactly that, my yeah. advice doesn't end up like that it's like yeah. absolutely you have to prospect but prospecting is a different thing to cold calling yeah. looking for the little nuggets of gold warm calling doing intelligent things to show somebody that actually we should be having a decent conversation Yes. Yeah, so it's, it's 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 a lot. There's a lot more subtleties and a lot more nuance now as to how to do things, and a lot more tools. A lot more. Again, we're back to the snare drum, big drum kit. You know, even prospecting, you can use your full drum kit. So. Yeah. You know, you and it's one of these things that people, you know, people make assumptions, and that you know that's one of the assumptions. I'm working with this company and. Uh, the, the the sale starts with with architects and everybody goes oh architects won't take phone calls and i go who told you oh everybody says architects don't make phone calls so the interesting thing we did an exercise week before last to phone architects <laughs> and we got two sales opportunities out of four phone calls and i goes 50 percent strike rates not not bad <laughs> 50% of architects take phone calls. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, and that's, uh, and you, and sometimes I think it's used as an excuse as well, Fred. Yeah. No, I, I, I think that is fair. And look, nobody said cold calling is easy. Yeah. Because there are lots of or, or calling or prospecting or whatever, whatever you call that, you know, it, it's tough. But again, it's make it easy for yourself. Eliminate the excuse from yourself that that's what we would try to do it's like well you know let's have a look like okay maybe not all architects will take phone calls and those first two won't why because actually what we're going to say to them is irrelevant to them exactly yeah you, they just don't design the sort of thing that our product will go into so again we're saving ourselves time on that now these guys they do why would they how can we make it very very clear that that is what you know they can take from this and why we can you know we should be working together but how can we make that come alive and really get that point across really quick right that's pretty exciting you know yeah exactly right yes. well, why would you not want to make that call you know and, and the, the excuse we, we can kind of sort of dissolve the excuse and take it away by helping people sort of realize that actually calling the right people right message calling contacting whatever whatever you want to say and using some of the cool cool new tech send a little video all, all those things we can do now they'll do yeah Exactly, you know, you know, and, and, you know, and thank goodness you're doing them a you know, favor. <laughs> and, and one of the things, and I'd be interested to hear your take on it, is how much the pandemic has, us, has helped us grow to a new level in selling. Whoa, grow to a new level in selling. Um, I, I think it has. You know, I, th I think that the, the people that have grasped the opportunities. And again, just from a pure point of view, we could say opportunity increase because a lot of customers are in a position where they don't know what to do. Right. Yeah. I can help you with that then. I do know what to do. Or I have some ideas or we can work together. We can collaborate. I can guide you through some thinking to clarify what it is you need to do next. Now, hopefully that will be what I sell. 
But if it's not, I've really put myself in a great position. So yeah. opportunities are out there. The the other thing I think it's helped people do in you know taking sales to a new level is that some of the means of selling that we've had to turn to are so convenient for all involved. You know, jumping on Zoom calls, sending people videos, doing things in a more time effective and better manner. We can be better at what we do because we can do more of it. Yeah. And again, I know that people are going to say, and at this stage, I'm surprised they still have a job. That, oh, well, you can't build relationships online. You can't do this. You can't do that. That's just bollocks. Excuse yeah. me, my friend. You, you well, can't, well, you know? Look I'll tell you when you can't build relationships if you're not talking to somebody. Yeah. <laughs> so phoning them, emailing them, videoing them, um, whatever. If you're doing that stuff and you're bringing in all these different things and adding more touch points, that's to me the secret. And that's what a good salesperson is doing. There's more excuses and chopping things into smaller, more manageable segments. It's made sales more elegant because rather than me saying, all oh, right, I'm going to see Collie in, in, in Northern Ireland in two weeks time. So I've got this list and I keep adding things to this list. <laughs> you know, mm. our meeting is now a monster. <laughs> we're yeah. trying to solve everything in one it's a let's just jump on and have half an hour on monday right okay i'll go work on that you work on that let's just jump on and we'll we'll see where we've got to on friday yeah okay cool then we'll have a i'll send you a little video in between and we can move things on so much more of course i think you know exactly you know i think you'll take it to another one i'm just looking at what you and i are doing now we're we're talking face to face yeah you're in you're in your office, I'm in mine. We didn't have to travel. You know, what I, what I actually miss is the travel. I miss some of it. Yeah. <laughs> it depends where to, like Mauritius, like you said, brilliant. Yeah, you know? yeah I'd quite happily go there. Milton yeah. Keynes? Mm, okay. No, oh, exactly. No. I think I've got to talk to me for Milton Keynes later this week. I, don't know, I probably should have said that. <laughs> no, but, God, but you know yeah. what I mean? Like, I've got to jump in the car, I've got to spend two hours doing that get down and have a conversation it's like mm, or deliver training it's still a couple of yeah. hours is face-to-face training dead uh no is it going to be used less i think so am i going to use it less definitely because i i think we can chop training a bit like i've just sort of said selling can get better because we chop it into little bits so that we can keep things moving on and we can make stuff more manageable we make more progress faster same with training but that's that's my take on that. That's that's the route I yeah. so, you know, not only can sales grow, we can help people grow in sales better by using some of the some of the things that pandemics forced us to do. Yeah, and that's you know, and that's the whole you know, that whole thing of partnership. And and I think the partnership comes back to one of the things and I wrote it a, a few years ago a blog on is your sales and marketing aligned? I think I got my grammar wrong and I said, are your sales and marketing aligned? It should have been, is your sales and marketing aligned? Because... Um, good. I'm just trying to think of the grammar. Yeah. I, it means a different question, isn't it? Yeah. Is your sales and marketing aligned is the activity? Are your sales and marketing are the departments? You are asking a different thing there. Yeah. <laughs> Now, actually, if the departments aren't aligned, the activity probably isn't either. Um, yeah, because, so you, it's I the mean, same question, kind of, anyway, isn't it? Yeah. Because the interesting thing, and I like to hear your take on it, the interesting thing, I was working with a, with a client, and I said, you know, have you got a good profile of your ideal, of your ideal client, your ideal customer? Have, have you learned, do you know who you're targeting? 
Oh, no, we leave that to marketing. That's nothing to do with sales. So I says, so, so your sales people don't have any input. No, that's a marketing role, colleague. So, so how does marketing know who sales really need, want to talk to? Uh, again, are they, are they some kind of clairvoyance? They got this ESP, you know, that other yeah. provide. Yeah, again, I, I was chatting to some guys just recently about, you know, marketing, giving them the right support. Um, and they were complaining about it. And, oh, yeah, we want these things from them and this, this, this. And they were talking about videos. I said, yeah. do you know in your pocket or on the side of the desk, more than likely because we're doing virtual, mm -hmm. you've got a bit of kit which you can produce stuff which, and again, marketing people are going to hate me after as well, is probably going to be way better than what marketing produce anyway. Apart from the fact it's going to be timely because you can get that out now and produce the video and pretty much send it instantaneously. The fact that it's going to be a little bit rustic, and if you put yourself in it, you know, make it more personable, more human, that's going to have way more effect than the whizzy graphics and the 3D things and the stuff. Yeah. Deliberate, let's take people out of this because they make the place look a little bit untidy type video that marketing make. Pretend doesn't work because it's just a bit cold. You know? Do something with yourself in it and talk to the customer, a bit like we're doing exactly. now. You know? yeah. You'll have a cracking piece of collateral that you can use with it yeah and again i'll probably got myself in trouble with that but hey <laughs> yeah well, well they <laughs> all, works. yeah and that you know and that's the thing about um who do you know who to sell to and so many people i go who's your customer everybody no it's not yeah and are you going to build a partnership let's get back to that uh yeah. partnering skills again is what you really have explored in a way, Fred, to uh, you know, to take it to you know, take it to a, a new level, um, and and one of the things that, that I do like to do is you've really gone into your uh, well, it's going to say you talked about the birds and the bees, but it's really the geese, the fish, the goats, <laughs> and the bees. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's that's such a cool model from Beth Rogers. Um, yeah from a account management book yeah it's this understanding again it's you know who's attractive to us because not yeah. every customer we even want to deal with let's have a think about that you know the most people can give you a reasonably good way of understanding that okay and how do the customers perceive us now if somebody's really attractive they perceive us really well they're a golden goose you know they all lay yeah. golden eggs they deserve our time and effort let's go out there let's deal with them you know now maybe someone perceives us really well but they aren't as attractive to us. They're a goat. She calls that a goat, you know, because the goat, yeah. <laughs> goats yeah. are a bit ugly. <laughs> they're not attractive, yeah. but they're very loyal. Yeah, they're kind of yeah, you yeah. cute. And you can spend time petting them. And they want to eat stuff. And goats just love eating. Is, and they take yeah. your time and effort. So you've got to be careful. You don't spend too much time, you know, feeding the goats. You could be feeding the geese. Yeah. yeah. She talks about the bees. You know, the bees which buzz around and are a bit annoying. <laughs> um, but they do produce honey. But bees will just do their own thing. And you can go and you can collect the honey and you can come back. Don't, you don't have to feed bees. You don't have to spend a lot of time with them. And if you do, you might have to get stung. So just don't spend so much time with them. Again, think about who would fit that profile. Yeah, less attractive and they haven't got a great perception of you. And of course, the fish, a lot of the actions with the fish where you go fishing, they haven't got a, maybe have got no perception because they don't even know you yet, but they're really, really attractive. So we go off fishing. We try and work with these. You know, we prospect, we, you know, get them on board we show the stuff that we can do with them 
ultimately <laughs> your fish become goats so to speak yeah you know it, it's such a cool model because the language know, yeah is, is so it's a, yeah and the another model used and interestingly i was watching um a david attenborough documentary yesterday with my wife and there was a story in there and actually it reminded me of a story you had in your book fred now what it actually said is that why are tigers orange with black stripes? And the reason being that tigers are orange with black stripes is that deers have limited eyesight. And with their limited eyesight, they actually cannot see orange. They see orange as green. All right. So tigers creep up on them. But what actually happens is that when a tiger starts approaching a herd of deer, the monkeys up on the trees start chattering. And the chatter of the monkeys warns the deer that there's a tiger present. <laughs> and that's a, that's a, a lit, little like your honey badger story. Oh, the old honey badger, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's about collaboration, isn't it? Um, yeah. Yeah, the, the honey badger and the, the, the honey, the little bird that flies with it. That, that loves eating the honey, doesn't it? Yeah, um, but it can't get into the beehive. Yeah, whereas the honey badger's got its big long claws. No, no, the the the, the little bird likes the grub, doesn't it? Yeah, and the honey badger yeah. likes the honey. So the honey badger goes in, rips it open with its claws, eats all the honey, and of course, then, then all the little grubs are going everywhere. And the bird that's following it around, it's like, yeah, right. it's cool, it, it's a grub, yeah. But what the bird does, it shows it where the honey is. So the, the badger knows the to follow the bird to go to go get the thing. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's um, a cool um, story that one. <laughs> Yeah, and then, then the, that that story actually followed on that I was saying, you know, and it just reminded you of, of how nature collaborates with each other to help them survive. It it does, and and you know, I could have gone off down a whole you know tribes type thing and think about yeah. what are we like really primates, we're social animals, we do that, yeah. we're designed to work together, we're designed to collaborate, solve problems bring together the sort of the um the strengths that each of us have to do a better job uh, I, <laughs> I, yeah. uh, I just cut it i cut it down into the into the, yeah because that's story, story it was easier <laughs> well no, it was that's that story yesterday about the deer with the limited eyesight which can't they can't transmit certain colors they actually then deer have large ears and they actually hear better than they see yeah and i thought you know that's a great analogy for for selling it is. I mean, I, I often I often do an exercise where I, I get I get the um, I get people to think, you know, if a salesperson was a mixture of animals, what would they be? Yeah. <laughs> you know, you, you, you go, well, we'll have the ears of an elephant, you know, yeah. um, we'll have the uh, well, sort of the um, the eyes. I think the eyes of an owl, you, have the sort of yeah. you can bring it together. And go, yeah. Again, you know, this the sales animal. It's a real. It would be a massively clever crossbreed. Yeah. And that's what we're trying to do with salespeople. It's like bringing all these uh, sales. You're going to be good at this, good at this, good at this, good at this, good at this. Again, you know, that's why it's such an insulting comment. I'm still thinking about that. Bloody yeah. yeah. And, and <laughs> sales what, is a of, trade. You know, it's yeah. okay. Well, it's, it's a yeah. very, very highly skilled trade. Yes. I'm a brain and, surgeon goes in and does the same thing every day. Yeah. The salesperson does, and they've got to tap into loads of different ways of performing an operation. Of course, you know, because, <laughs> you know, you've, you've, got to, you've got to be good at accountancy. You've got to, you know, got to know figures you've got to 
You've got to look at the return on investment, which we talked about. You've got to talk to the diverse personalities within a company. You you've, got, you've got to be able yeah. to present. You've got to be able to listen to yeah. questions. You've got to be able to think strategically. So you've got to put business planning head on. You've got to think more tactically. Stuff is going to happen tomorrow. You've got to... Uh, so many different modes that you've just got to flick into to do the right thing right time yeah um, and and that ability to think on your feet as well you know which uh, I'm, I'm sure what you discover from uh, from sales training there's always one in the crowd who wants to ask you a question that they think they don't know you that you don't know the answer to <laughs> there is and actually i hope for it early on yeah um Again, it's an experience thing, so you kind of know how to deal with it. He now says he's probably, <laughs> I'm probably now tempting fate and I'm going to get shafted this week when somebody asks something. But, well, you know the answer, but of course the answer is, well, that's a really interesting question. What does everyone else think? <laughs> you know? Yeah. And normally, and that's not, yeah, people say, well, you don't have an answer. Well, actually, I do, but I, am, I want to hear what other people say. Yeah. Well, I always tell the story um, about my first sales training session, which, uh, and I had a guy on it, and he was actually selling, uh, contracted to sell my sales training con courses. And he and I decided to do, or I decided to do a role play where he would play the customer and I would play the salesperson. <laughs> now, this guy, instead of making me look good, absolutely destroyed me in front of everybody in the sales training. Now, I made the mistake of, continually trying to sell to them you know and you know when somebody asked me the question now what happens if a customer keeps saying no and uh, and doesn't want to buy from me how do you get around that calling i goes easy you go and sell to somebody else yeah you know yeah. now that, that now i just i actually tried to you know yeah. Uh, actually, the guy after that training session never sold another course for me because, <laughs> well, yeah, lack cause... of EQ. Let alone yeah, EQ. exactly. <laughs> Do you not realize your role was to make me look good? Not to. The other one, yeah. which which comes, I don't know if you know that the old David Sandler used to. He used the one on you know, Sandler training is that when he did a role play in sales training and somebody kept saying no, and he would say to the salesperson. Why are you trying to take the frustration out that you have with every customer out on me? Uh, no, I like that. I'm going to borrow that one as well. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and yeah. that's because the other thing is, and I tell the story, quite true story, is I was doing, um, I was doing some sessions for a day that they had for, uh, it was for women in business. And I was working, working with women in business and a lady who worked for, Derry or London Derry, as it's called, uh, Chamber of Commerce. And she said, I've got one particular business that I've been trying to sell to for four years, and he just won't sign up for the Chamber of Commerce. So I said, How often do you talk to him? She says, I call him a couple of times a month. I said, How long would you spend the phone call? Oh, about 10 minutes. So you're spending 20 minutes, you're 20, spending 20 minutes a month. You're spending 240 minutes a year, right? That's four hours, and you're doing it for four years. That's 16 hours. I said, you know, to be fair, that's two days you spent with this one person, and they're still not buying. How many other people could you have talked to in that time who would have bought? 
It's no, I agreed. You know, you, you sometimes see, don't you? Again, the thing about LinkedIn we chat about earlier, where you know somebody says, "Oh, persistence pays off." I've called this person yeah. every Friday for the last ten years, and finally, the the guy's left, and the company's bought from me. Again, I was reading something like this very similar recently. I was like, "What were you doing? Doing that? At which stage was it clear that they're not a customer for you?" And yeah. And then people were kind of applauding this persistence, this resilience. I, I looked and think, am I missing the plot here? But that just looks like a massive waste of time for me. And you've yeah. pretty much put up, you don't really know what you're doing. And you must have been bloody annoying. No wonder they stopped taking the calls after about a year or whatever it is. I mean, it's just, you know, I, I, I'm not saying we don't need to be persistent, but I think how we apply, it's very important. It's a key sales skills and resilience, yeah. even more so yeah. bounce back ability. But you've got to be a bit better placed and a bit sort of more thoughtful about how we're going to apply that. Because you're yeah, banging like, on the door, the same door, same thing, same message every time. Like you say, you've just wasted, you know, what, two weeks of your life. <laughs> the best salesperson that I have uh, had the privilege of managing, and I met many salespeople, as you have, Fred, the best salesperson I actually met, and uh, you actually, would you believe, Fred, you know whose brother is. Now, you've never met his brother, but you know his brother because his brother won a Nobel Peace Prize for uh, bringing peace to Northern Ireland, and he was John Hume's brother. Uh-huh. Yeah, and John Hume's brother, Jim, was my top salesperson. He outsold every other salesperson in the company, 401. And Jim had a great line. And the first time I heard Jim use this line, I thought, we're going to get thrown out of here on our ear. They're going to tell us, never come back. And Jim had a good, he had a good friendly manner about him. And Jim used to use this line. And his line went something like this, Fred. And Jim would say, listen, Fred, uh, look, I don't really, <clears throat> I don't really want to waste your time. And I'm sure you don't want to waste mine. So we don't want to waste each other's time. But tell me, Fred. Are you serious about doing something about this? Yeah. And then he shut up. And it worked every time. You know, the first time I heard it, I goes, God, you can't say things like that. But then I realized after, it wasn't what he said. It was the manner he said it in. Yeah. The, the tonality, the way. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He, he'd got that. that. It's, it's his, again, you know, in the book, I talk about, talk about qualification. And yeah. Again, at a simple level, man, TC, band, medic, whatever you want to use, doesn't matter too much. It's like a checklist, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. You know, as we're moving towards consultative selling, I can become a Scotsman because it starts getting you thinking more about you know, the solution, the big opportunity, and all these kind of things. Yeah. yeah. But what I'm saying is, it makes sense to also qualify people on a psychological level and to be looking at them and thinking, how do they operate? What's it going to be like working with them? Because it takes yeah. two to tango. And exactly. I can be rocking up, you know, with full of intent. I'm going to use all my PQ. I'm working on this. I'm trying to collaborate. I'm doing all the right things. But if you don't want to play Paul, you know, it, it's not going to work well. And that would be a massive waste of time. Now, it doesn't mean that I wouldn't want to work with you, but I might just apply how we work in a different way. But if it exactly. looks like, you know, these guys are collaborative. They get it. They We, we can properly join forces and really I, I, I'm having such fun I could carry on for another album I've got uh, one yeah. anyway but uh, so no, I, so, bet, I, I, I think is I don't think you need to edit much either uh, no, all right <laughs> leave it go so, you know so Fred uh, 
what what do you see the the future of selling map? Everybody talks about the future of selling. So to sum up, how do you see the future of selling? Hybrid. Yeah. In a way. So how how would, <laughs> how would you explain hybrid? So it's interesting. I said it to somebody the other day, and they said, "Ah, is that like when you're doing everything virtually?" And using video and zoom and everything i went no that's virtual <laughs> yeah. that's virtual selling so virtual selling is one element of hybrid so for me i think the salesperson of the future we will start to refer to hybrid selling where it brings in a number of the disciplines you know the things that we were talking about earlier yeah but we'll be very deliberate about how we bring those in and how we equip salespeople to do stuff yeah? and i think there's a number of elements that this involves it starts off with having a good grasp of the essentials, you know, the fundamentals of sale. Mm. You know, they aren't going to change that. They're, they're going to be very, very similar to what they've always been. It's understanding customers, understanding their needs, understanding what drives and motivates them, how to run a meeting, how to do all that good stuff. You know, the stuff that we've been training for a long time. Mm. It still needs to be your basics, your foundation. Then we do need to be adept at virtual selling. So video meetings and sending video also social selling and making sure we tap in and using all the elements of ai that are going to help us do the job better you know so again that's another set of skills so we've got essentials we've got virtual i think we need to understand opportunity management better so it's looking at specific projects specific uh chances you know things that we can win business and how we manage that through and again there's systems there's ways of doing that and structures as frameworks we can train that and then salespeople need to lead customers, at which stage you'll think, what? Ah, let me explain what I mean. I don't mean manipulate. I mean act as a servant leader. It's guide them through the things that they probably don't know how to do. You know, we're in this period of massive change. This period of VUCA, in volatility, uncertainty, complexity, ambiguity. If we get our heads around that, we can help people and add massive value. And actually, that's another element, which is value selling, understanding value. Not what we think it is, but what the customer thinks it is, because value is a mystery. We need to understand that stuff and help customers understand it, position it, and make sure that you know, we're talking about the outcomes and the results that they want. And then we need to expand the business, because like we were saying earlier, the account management piece and the customer success piece, that's really important. So those six elements, the essentials, the virtual, the opportunity management, the leading, the value, and the expansion sale, those for me are what a, a, a an up-to-date salesperson is going to have to have. That's your full drum kit. If you've not got that stuff, I think you will struggle to be successful in the future. Yeah, that's, that's, that's what I'm my, That's why I'm hanging my hat on anyway. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and and saying that we're actually talking about a book, and in, in your book about the challenge you're selling, or your inside selling, where you've got to teach, or as they say on inside, you've got to educate. And yeah. I can, you know, that's, that's the role, you know, is, um, is actually helping people to achieve. And it goes back to the old, what's in it for me? Yeah. Yeah. We, th th those elements will pull in, you know, challenge yeah. sales, great. You know, insight selling, great. We can pull those in. Yeah. You know, those, are, those are quite similar to me. I know <laughs> Gardner yeah. and, uh, and the rain guys would probably hate me saying that they're similar, but I, I yeah. do see those similarities in it. But that's that's good practice. Look, we need to be pulling that in. Yeah. That that in the hybrid model, you know, puts it somewhere in kind of value selling, or you could even argue essentials. Because that's what yeah. good selling looks like. So that that 
that's what I reckon. That's where I think we're going in the future. We kind of when we talk about hybrid selling, it's bringing all of those elements in to be considered a hybrid salesperson. You can do all of those and do all of those well. Do that. So, Fred, uh, thank you for uh, taking time out of your busy schedule. So, is the next is the next book in the offing, or is? Uh, yeah, can you guess what it's about? Uh, <laughs> I might have just told you. <laughs> what, what's in it for me? That hybrid selling. That um, hybrid selling. Yeah, hybrid I want that selling. launched. I don't know when you're going to put this out, but I want that. Yeah. That should be out by the end of the year. It's got right. to come out. It's, it's, it's about timing. I mean, that the time to just help people get their heads around that. I think it's really important. So I'm I'm pushing through on that pretty pretty hard. So, so yeah, I don't think you're the first person I've told that, by the way. Questioning skills, colleague. So, without prompting, I drew that, or with prompting, I drew that out of you. You know, you're a master at it. That's right. Okay. (laughs) Gosh, too many, too many years. (laughs) Fred, it's been a privilege. Stay in touch, and we'll uh, you know talk again. For sure, for sure. Yeah, and uh, we'll talk. We'll talk again soon. And thanks for being with you, Fred. No, thank you for inviting me. It's been real fun. Really enjoyed it. Yeah.